0: Welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Okay. All right. Guys, welcome. Isn't it good to be part of God's kingdom? Amen? Isn't it good that when we see all the rubbish going on around us at the minute that we actually know that we are a part of the kingdom of God where the king is totally in control. Amen. And, and, And though there's chaos on the earth, there is this glorious knowledge that Jesus is our king. So, guys, I am moving straight on from where we were two weeks ago. Two weeks ago we looked at the need to understand the the heart of God and that he had built within us a heart that he wanted us to really um, commit to him. And we we spoke of um, quite a few things. I'm not going back there. But I want us to start with what I've got up on the screen at the minute. And that is Psalm 139 and verse 14, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that is because we're going to nitpick a bit and, and pick out some of the areas where we need to really be sure that we are committing to God. Amen? And so what I want you to see is that Psalm 139 is David's psalm where he really is completely open and vulnerable before the Lord and says, you know, Lord, you're the one who wove me in the womb. And, and guys, we all know this psalm so beautifully, but I'm wanting us to see that when he said, you formed me in my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb, that he went on to say, Lord, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And no matter what your experience has been in the past, guys, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And wherever there has been a hiccup, Wherever there has been pain, wherever there has been rejection, wherever there's been rebellion, wherever there's been pride in your life, the Lord is able to bring a complete restoration so that you are brought back to that position of being whole in him. Amen. Praise Jesus. So that's where we're going. So very briefly, I wanted us to look at where we were last week, uh, two weeks ago. So the next slide shows us my view view of it. Good seed from the Lord. Why? Because it's the word of God. Amen. And we're looking at the sower, which is in um, Matthew 12 and Mark 4, and there's, there's a version in Luke as well. But we really looked at it in Matthew and then in Mark, and we saw that the word is the seed And it gets planted in men's hearts. Now, what's the state of your heart? And we looked at the four states that Jesus spoke of. And you know, guys, I just want to underline something. And that is, for the first time ever, as I was teaching you here two weeks ago, the Lord showed me that the seed is not just the seed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we only need to look at that parable in terms of, what did you do with the seed of the good news of the gospel? Did you receive Jesus as your Lord? Yes, it pertains to that. But then what we're looking at is what about every revelation that God brings? And that's what God showed me as I was teaching two weeks ago. So I'm going to use one that's really important to this congregation and say, what about the seed, the good seed of the gospel pertaining to David's tabernacle? See, what did we do with that seed? Did we just say, ah, no, that's just the young people, and let it fall on a hardened heart. Or when we heard the seed, the word about the restoration of David's tabernacle, what did we do with it? Did we say, well, what's wrong with an organ? We'll just stick with an organ. How boring. We need an organ, but it needs to be in the midst of all the other. okay? I can remember playing the organ back when I was a teenager because they didn't have anybody else. And it was one of those... We didn't even have electricity for that organ. So I had to pump it with my feet, you know. So two feet going, hur, hur, hur. but you're sitting and hur, hur, hur. and as the, hmm. <laughs> and if you wanted volume, the volume control was your knee. You pushed against it and it made it louder. So it wailed. <laughs> Do we want that? You see, no, we don't want that, you see. So then what are we going to do? So if we embrace the word about the restoration of David's tabernacle, then we would be understanding that to reach into that place of intimacy with God, that there's going to be an opening of our hearts. And out of that is going to come 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold increase regarding praise and worship. Amen. Okay. So then what about the word of deliverance? What are you going to do with that? Are you going to say, no, 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 come on now, come on now. I only only listen to the word that is about the kingdom. I don't listen to stuff that is, you know, sort of uncomfortable. You know, so so what are you going to do with that word? Are you going to embrace it? Are, Are you going to be free to be delivered so that out of that will come an amazing harvest where you'll be able to pray with people and they will be set free and there's going to be a harvest 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Are you with me? So I just wanted to emphasize that because sometimes when a word comes, a revelation, a word comes to you within a preach, you know, you're so bowled over by it but that you don't necessarily bring it fully. And so I just wanted to underline it. Okay? So... Bless you for just bearing through with that with me again. So now, um, I'm bringing up an old um, graphic that I've used before, Elizabeth, so the next one. And just the first, man, that's fine. Man, a tripart being. You've seen this. You're going to see three circles, spirit, soul, and body. You've seen it before, okay? But because last week, where I was, not, sorry, a fortnight ago, where I was trying to fit far too much into the time available. <laughs> and, and in the middle of everything, I said something. And bless her, Sheila said, "Anne," you know. So I thought, okay, let's clear that up right at the beginning before I'm in a rush. <laughs> so I just wanted to say this. In terms of the spirit, so the next one, who's been invited to occupy your spirit okay, so spirit, soul and body, I'm starting there. Who's been invited to occupy your spirit? You see, if you are a devil worshipper, if you're a, a, a Satan worshipper, then you would have asked Satan in and he would occupy your spirit man, so that everything you did was done from a seared spirit from a spirit that has been given over to the devil. Now, if there's anybody in this room who's done that, do not fear, because if you desire to be set free of that, you know, to be, because you are possessed of the devil, your spirit is possessed of the devil, if you want to be free of that, we pray in the name of Jesus. Because the authority of the name of Jesus is such that you will be set free. Amen. So, you know, I would say that with fairly Thorough assurance that everybody that I can see in this room is not in that situation, that they're not devil worshippers. You know, how do you tell what a devil worshipper looks like? Have they got a Halloween costume on? (laughs) Some of them have. So that's absolutely right. You know, but sometimes they look like normal people. You know, I remember when I was a kid, we were always concerned about the Russians were coming. You know, so the Russians were coming, and I I remember a teacher once saying to us, what does a Russian look like? So, no, not a Russian. What does a communist look like? And we found it very difficult to define it. And then I had another teacher who put a couple of of photographs out on a desk and said, you know, which one of these is a communist? Because we really feared communism in those days. Okay, so I'm back from where the dinosaurs were. I know that, okay, but... (laughs) Because Russia is sort of a friend these days, you know. Oh, I don't know about that either. But maybe the Russians are coming all over again. I don't know. <laughs> but we found real difficulty in pointing out the one that we thought was a Russian. I mean, we were a communist. Well, we were looking at Russians as communists in those days, you know, because they were the baddies. And um, they kept on coming up with these submarines, you know. And, okay. So anyway, what I've learned is, Sometimes the people that Satan plants in your midst, you think are great. And then you discover that actually they've given their spirit over to the enemy and that they are possessed of the devil. And sometimes they don't want to be, guys, but they're trapped by their own decision, their own will. Okay. And they've ended up in this terrible situation. So I wanted to emphasize that. Because I'm going to say a couple of things, you know, in the next 10, 15 minutes or so, where you're going to think, well, is that possession or is that demonization? Is that, you know, uh, satanic possession or is it demonization? And I want you to see that there is a distinction and there is a difference. Because many times people will actually, for I'm going to use an example. That when they get angry, you see their countenance change. Now, who did we see that happen to? Saul, King Saul. He would be so angry with David that his countenance would change. That's what the scripture tells us. And he would pick up his spear murderously and he would aim it at David's heart. You see? So guys, I want to share with you that um, when we see a countenance change, it's because the person has lost control of their own emotions, because anger is an emotion. And as a result of that, they allow the enemy's influence to actually cause incredible harm to their soul, to their, um, um, because it impacts the mind and it impacts the will. And and, and sometimes they do the most murderous things. And so, um, certainly abuse of things, whether it stays at verbal abuse or whether the abuse then becomes physical where they use a fist or use a, a rod or use a weapon. In other words, I'm saying when I say use a rod, you know. Um, and sometimes there's, there's, there's an incident. And then when they get to court, they say, I don't know what happened. And, and it's because... They gave room to the enemy. Were they demon-possessed? No, not necessarily. But they had a massive problem with anger. demonisation to the point of losing complete control. Okay, so just want to make that distinction. All right. So instead, for the majority of people here, I know that we are looking at the fact that we have invited the Lord to come and live in our hearts. And therefore, we, our spirit man is indwelt by the Spirit of God. Okay, and that's where we were last fortnight ago, okay? Um, and so I just want to emphasize that because our spirit man is indwelt with the Spirit of God. Now, I want you to look at a magnificent scripture, and that is Romans chapter 8. Now, I know you all know Romans or heart because it's one of Rod's favorite chapters. <laughs> so we're there many times. But guys, you you need to be in Romans 8 many times because of all the impact that it has. Look at verse 6. The mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind that is set on the spirit is life and peace. So let's pick up the next one, Elizabeth. Because there's the soul. Now remember we said the soul is life. Okay? And you can see that I've divided that up into three sections. So we've got the mind, um, you can see those little flags, the mind, we've got the will, and we've got the emotions. And I've got them kind of straddled across the soul. But they're pointing at the spirit man at the minute, and we could have them pointing the other way as well. So I should have bi-directional arrows is really what I'm saying. Because what is in your spirit man influences what's in, in your soul. What you allow to come into your soul influences what is in your spirit man. Okay, do you hear that? Because this will set you free. Okay, so I want us to look particularly at Romans 8, drop down to verse 26. And it's talking about um, the, the, the fruit of the spirit. And it says in verse 26, in the same way, The Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because for the saints, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So you see, the Holy Spirit living within us is the mind of God. Are we okay with that? Therefore, we are open to the influence of the precious Lord Holy Spirit who constantly, night and day, is interceding for us. And constantly, night and day, is allowing the mind of God to be directed to our mind. Are you with me? So in other words, where I've got the mind sitting up at the top in the flag, I'm wanting you to see that part of the soul as being impacted by the mind of the spirit that is informing our human mind. Amen. So godly in Christ Jesus, okay? And what's the impact of that? It's going to be a natural sanctification process going on. Because anything from the mind of the Spirit concerning the Lord's will for our lives, and you can see the will there on that left-hand side, okay? The will part. Your will is your volition. It's your decision-making process, okay? Guys, this this is actually such an important part of our soul. Because sometimes we can know what the mind of the Spirit is. Sometimes we will have allowed the mind of the Spirit to influence our own minds. But we make a decision that is constantly contrary to what God has given us. And so what I'm saying is the will is such an important part of our being that if it is not completely convinced by the Spirit of God, we have a challenge. And what we can see here is because it is such an important part of us, that the Lord Holy Spirit is constantly interceding for us that we might know what the mind of the Lord is concerning our lives and direction. You know, sometimes we fumble around. I mean, guys, I want to tell you, I fumble around. You know, sometimes in terms of knowing what the mind of the Spirit is, I'm interceding and praying, Lord, help me, show me, give me direction. Holy Spirit is trying to get the message through. But because I've got other things happening from my emotions and other things happening because of decision making and will, I, I end up a bit confused. And I think I know what the Lord is saying. And then, you know, I want to make a decision too quickly. And the Lord says, no, oh, no, 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 hold back. And sometimes in his mercy, he has to let something happen like a gate shut. And you think, Guys, God, why have you, why have you stopped that flow? Why have you given me a no all of a sudden? I don't understand it. And and what God is saying is, I don't want you to be harmed. So I'm preventing something from happening. But you see, the will, you cannot just sit back and say, okay, well, when God does it, you know, because then we are so passive, we're useless. One of the most difficult things to deal with is somebody who says, whatever. <laughs> Don't be like that. Because God loves it when we start getting our will into action according to His will. And He is totally happy that if we're not going a straight path because of something that is so incredibly, intensely important to us, that He can carefully guide us. One of the areas that this is the most important challenging for is the right partner in life you can end up with the wrong partner so quickly because you will not allow God to give you his full counsel you know what Paul said and I mean this is the part where the girls all go groan but you know Paul said it's better to be unmarried than to be married because you've got a problem with the lust of the flesh you've got to have sex or you die you know and God says no no I'll, I, you know, just ask for that sexual drive to be lifted. Pete's one niece, she'll love it that I'm sharing this with you guys. <laughs> but she, she went to university and she was doing a five-year degree. And in her very first year, she fell in love with a guy that she just adores, you know. And, and he fell in love with her. And you know what it's like, guys, you're young, this doesn't exclude all the older people, okay? I just, I, and I want the young ones to know that, because sometimes the young ones think that once you get past a certain age, you know, you don't function. <laughs> 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 and, and as shocking as that might be to some, to some young ones... <laughs> Anyway, I mean, they fell in love with each other, and, and now they had, they had five years. He was studying to be a lawyer. She was studying to be a dietician of, you know, well, n- not a dietician, something along those lines anyway. You know, five years. <gasps> and they wanted to honor God. They loved God. Wanted to honor God. So, now, you know, I, whenever she came home, that, that, that was like every um, trimester. She'd say, oh. You know, I just love this man. and, and It's such a long time. And, and, and we, all I could do was hang in their prayers, you know. Hang in there, hang in there. <laughs> Don't, for the sake of, you know, the lust of the flesh, rush into something. And then the next time I saw her, just this incredible peace and calm. And I said, are you guys still going out together? You know, because I did, it was just almost an abnormal peace and calm. And she said yes, but God showed us that we should pray and ask Him to remove the physical desire uh, for each other until we are married. And God had honoured that, guys. And the miracle of it, you know, it was just an amazing thing. Okay, so I want to share that with you because I had terrible news about a month ago of a, a lady that I have lost contact with completely who was very involved in the Bible College with me, um, just an amazing administrator. And there was a disaster, and her husband um, unfortunately uh, fell in love with somebody else, and they were divorced. But because of the need for protection and security, she married a man. God said, don't do it. And her family pushed her into it because they couldn't look after her any longer. And he was professing to be a Christian. And I want you to hear that girls. And guys, the same thing happens because sometimes girls do this. They profess to be Christians until that point where they've got you hooked. And then suddenly you discover, whoa, you've married the devil, you know? And you just don't need that guys. You just don't need that, you know? And you see, like, like in that instance, this dear friend of mine, God was saying no, no. And eventually, she, she just thought God was saying, okay, because God wasn't speaking any longer. But you know, sometimes it's when God doesn't speak that you've got to find out why he's not speaking. And God is never shy about giving us another confirmation. So all you do is say, God, I know you've told me this three times before, but I need a fourth time, please. And if it's the 20th time, God's still happy to do it, guys. So please, in that whole area, I don't know why I've gone down that route, but I want that spoken out because if it's going to help somebody, yay. So then the next thing I want us to look at, so this is the mind of the Spirit. Now I want you to come across to 1 Corinthians 2. And in 1 Corinthians 2, we've got this amazing little set of verses where it begins to talk about how we have become um, sons of God. And look, look at verse 11. So 1 Corinthians 2, who among man knows the thoughts of a man, verse 11, except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now where's the spirit of God living? Within our hearts. We've just seen that, okay? So the spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. And um, to drop down to 14, and no, 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 we can't. Verse 13, which things we speak, not in words taught by human. Oh, sorry, I missed out verse 12 in my excitement. Verse 12, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit. So the spirit teaches us combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. And somewhere here, guys, it speaks about how we are spiritual beings because the Spirit of God lives within us. A natural man, verse 14, doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God for they're foolishness to him, and he can't understand them because they are spiritually appraised, and he just doesn't get that, okay? But we, sorry, but he who is spiritual Appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one except God. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we, says Paul, have the mind of Christ. How could he say that so uh, confidently because of what we've just looked at, guys? The spirit lives within us. The mind of the spirit we have access to. And then we can confidently, confidently begin to operate in the Word of God because the Holy Spirit is highlighting it to us and we are able to walk in the revelation of that Word. Amen. Amen. You know how I hate religion? I am confident I have the mind of Christ concerning the fact. That the church, the head of the church is Jesus Christ. And that we are all living stones being built up into that church. I am confident about that. People can challenge me on it. But I will always go back, no matter which of the images we are using in the scriptures, to be able to demonstrate that Jesus is the head of the church and that we are the living stones. Amen. You see, so that's an example. Now, you've got many examples in your own life, and they're probably different to mine because each of us is unique in the Lord Jesus Christ. So each one of us is spiritually appraised. Each one of us has the mind of Christ, but we've all been through different experiences, and God has needed to highlight to each one of us those experiences as we go. Amen. And so, you know, I I have never smoked in my life. Because, well, once I had a drag on my, my uncle's cigarette, because I was just intrigued about what, what the excitement was about, you know, because he used to spend a lot of money on cigarettes, kind of thing. But I wasn't asthmatic at that time, so it would have been foolishness, you know? And it, it was yuck, you know, so, so as a child, if you're looking for something that's pleasant, a smoke is dreadful, you know, especially the first smoke. Heavens, you see people going green in their faces as they're trying to do it, you know? And, and then it becomes a habit from somewhere. Who knows where? But, you know, the, the, the challenge is that then it leads to other things. The next minute people are smoking grass. You know, and then, and oh, dear me, it's just like a nightmare. Why am I going down this, Lord? I don't even like cigarettes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so anybody here, because if, if I'm getting the mind across about, you know, smoking and then, then I just want to say, anybody here, God wants to set you free, you know? But now, I can't go around and say, don't smoke, it's not good for you. I don't have that experience, do you know what I mean? It's the ones who've had the experience where their lungs have been, you know, sort of sitting under that heaviness of all that nicotine, that yick stuff. You know, the, the chemist that we, the pharmacy that Pete used to go to, sitting on his counter was this jaw of nicotine that had been taken from people's lungs. It was enough to make anybody want to go on to the no smoking program, you know, and because you just realized that that was the uh, inhibitor for their breathing. Okay, so, well, there's a flesh one, you know, body, mind, and spirit. There's the body coming through. All right. Now, what I'm wanting to look at next is The interrelationship between the spirit and the mind, the will and the emotions from a scriptural base. So for a moment, let's go to Ephesians 4. Now a lot of us use this scripture because it is such a clear one, and when it comes to the mind, we know that we need the renewing of the mind. Remember, we started out by saying we're fearfully and wonderfully made. If there is anything in our minds that needs to be transformed into the the will of God, into the mind of God, emotion wise, then we need to start out by looking at where things are going to come through. So in Ephesians in chapter 4 and verse 22, it says. In reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old life, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Isn't that just the most amazing scripture? See, not just be renewed in the mind, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So let what the Holy Spirit is doing within your spirit man come through, amen? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self. So that's unbelievable. So there's the mind. But we've, we've had a lot about the mind. So I'm, I'm not going to go down that route because you all know the scriptures, okay? The really interesting thing is that Paul then begins to deal with the emotions. And if you start looking at some of the verses that come after that, he, be, he says, for example, verse 26, be angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. You know my diagram, and it's coming. Don't let the snare of the devil trip you up, okay? All right? And then he says, he who steals must steal no longer. Um, And that comes out of that emotion of want. Um, Verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Don't swear. Don't blaspheme. Verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. There's the interplay between the emotions and the spirit. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you. Most interesting, because it's a putting away don't be part of slander. You know, sometimes it's very difficult to say, look, stop, I don't agree with you. So sometimes what you need to do is you need to take focus on something positive about the person that is being slandered and don't say, yes, but just say, something I appreciate about this person is their honesty. Something I appreciate about this person is that they are always truthful. And guys, what it does is it stops the slander. Because it makes people stop and think for a bit. Okay? And then I want you to look at the last verse, verse 32 be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Okay? So I want us to look at this diagram of mine. So let's begin, Elizabeth. It's one of those, isn't it? So I'm so grateful. So understanding the strategy of the enemy, the cycle. So we start with the seed. Now remember, what we had earlier was the seed of the word of God being planted in a fruitful heart and the result was oaks of righteousness. I know you've got to have imagination when it comes to my diagrams, but that was good seed. We're not talking about good seed here. We're talking about the seed that the enemy wants to plant. So the last time we had it up, I had something like bitterness, which we've just looked at in Ephesians 4 in verse 31. And I don't know that you can see these. I need to get a bit closer so that I can read them. So the seeds that I've got there today are blasphemy, pornography, and the occult, okay? So very uh, interesting for the time that we're in at the minute, okay? So when it comes to blasphemy, it's the swearing. The enemy is trying to plant those seeds because he doesn't want us to honor God. And so um, it's very interesting that these days when you see that somebody has said, oh my God, you know how they do it? Just like, um, oh goodness, see, um, that when they, when they put that into print, it's now got a small g. Because often when they say, oh, my God, on TV, I say, who is your God? I mean, they can't hear me, unfortunately. But, you know, that's, that's that, you know, because that's, that's right, Jason. Absolutely. See, but, but if, if they knew it was Satan, they'd say, oh, come on, you're having a laugh. But because they are happy that it's any old God, they think, you know, they, they don't even think, guys. They don't think. It just slips out their mouths, you know. And so if you don't curb that, it becomes a snare of the devil. And we've just seen what Paul said about don't let the devil have an opportunity, okay? When it comes to pornography, sometimes it can just be, what did they used to call it? Um, I think beefcake and cheesecake. In other words, you know, the girls want to see all the big, now this is hilarious, I'm doing that, okay? I'm sticking to the upper torso. (laughs) So the girls want to see the guys, you know? So David Beckham is a prime example. He went and sold himself, didn't he, you know? So he he had photographs of himself in his underwear kit on all the big posters, massive posters. And, you know, and then he wondered why he got into trouble. I don't mean trouble about his underwear, but why he then began to find that he was talking to other girls other than his wife. Do you know what I mean, okay? Do you see the snare of the enemy, okay? If you accept a seed, it begins to grow. Okay? And then the last one that I've got up there is the occult. So I'm praying that none of you look at TVs. So then you'd say, oh, come on, you know. That you don't, don't go to mediums. That no. you don't read the horoscopes. Because I want to tell you the horoscopes are the seed of the occult. Amen. Okay? And, yeah, tarot cards. And what's that other thing? A Ouija board. Yeah. My dear younger son came to me. He was in his seventh year. And he came to me and he said it was after exams and people were just reading comics and reading stuff. And he came home and he said, aren't Ouija boards wrong? Yes. How did you know about a Ouija board, Paul? Oh, no, well, they're just some guys at school that have got a Ouija board. I tell you what, I was on the phone straight away, you know. And I got a hold of the head and I said, are you aware that some of the kids are playing with Ouija boards? No! And at that stage, it was big news in South Africa not to allow the occult to come into the schools. And so, um, I don't know where they are at the minute. But as a result of that, um, they stopped it straight away. Now, my son would not let us know anything that was going on at school for the next five years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because he feared that his mother was going to pick up the phone and phone the headmaster. And the only reason why I picked up the phone was because it was going to take too long for me to get down there before he left school. And I just wanted to make sure that that got cut in the butt. Do you know what I mean? Those are seeds, guys. Those are seeds. Okay? So what the enemy's strategy is, next, is that we find that we get snared. And Psalm 91 shows us that clearly. The snare of the enemy is like the snare of a bird being trapped by the fowler, okay? So there's the the result of the seed planted that gets accepted. The next is that we find that a habit begins. So what I'm trying to do there, now I just need to get closer to read it, is from the blasphemous seed, we begin to swear. From the pornographic seed, it now begins to be commonplace, where it's totally acceptable. We went and looked at a flat in Bournemouth, at the top of a block with a magnificent sea view. God kept me from seeing the photographs in the passage. My sister, afterwards, when we were laughing about it, she said to me, I wondered how you were coping with those photographs. And I said, well, I didn't see them at that point, you know? And so I was busy looking at the sea view. And the- <laughs> <laughs> but then, when I came out the kitchen, I looked at this photograph on the wall right opposite the kitchen, which was the beginning of this array, and it was a very artful photograph of somebody in the nude, where they were sitting in the fetal position. And I looked at that and I thought, "Dear me, is, you know is this man um, is this man okay, is this man gay? You could speak it out, you know. Because that was the immediate thing that I saw, a naked man on the wall, uh, but very artful. So does that make it acceptable? It's a seed. What are you going to do with it? See, that, that, guys, that's how we've got to look at these things. Recognize it. If that's a seed that is going to bring in something that is unrighteous, what am I going to do with it? And you need to reject it. And you need to get rid of it if it's something along those lines. Lines that is going to cause um, a hiccup in your spiritual growth. Because I'm looking at this in terms of not being a legalist about what's right and what's wrong. I'm looking at this in terms of how are you going to grow in righteousness and in fulfillment. Amen. And of, of God's will for your love. Because we want God's will for our lives. But then we accept some of these seeds and we allow these habits to form. And God says No. You know, let the spirit of God influence the spirit of man. In other words, your mind that is within you. Amen. And and quite frankly, when I went out that flat, I discovered that there were another four. And I think it was the members of his family. And each of them was in a very tasteful, nude pose. Huge, guys. You know, that, that heart. But... On the wall. Now, that's very different to my photographs that sit on my (laughs) sideboard. (laughs) You don't have to pray about that one, Sheila. (laughs) But I'm absolutely determined that I get you to understand that I'm not just talking rubbish pornography here. I'm saying what is driving the thought pattern of your um, life. When it comes to the occult, what have I got there? Oh, I've got fortune telling, we spoke about that. Okay, so if we allow that to persist without stopping it, the next is, now you've got to see that that's supposed to be a little fortress. Now this is my drawings, okay, on the, so (laughs) there's the fortress, a stronghold beginning to develop. Okay, Now there's a most beautiful verse in in the Proverbs where it says um, uh, that, um, that we are to flee to the stronghold of the Lord. See the enemy has taken that and he's built it differently. So the stronghold of the Lord is a protection for us. But the stronghold of the enemy, guys, begins to work against God's purposes in our lives. And so, you know, I've I've deliberately drawn it um, like that, and I want to superimpose it on the mind. So, you know, from blasphemy and swearing, we get abusive talk. Um, From pornography, constant viewing, we end up with a deprived sex issue, which is going to make people begin to operate in a deprived sexual manner, which means often sexual abuse. Um, You know, with with the occult, you'll end up in in devil worship before you know where you are. And so then I've taken it to the next step. And I said, those fortresses, those strongholds built in your mind. And let's look at that next one. um, Then become, and that does this, um, this funny little shape here is supposed to be Your mind, You know, looking at it. In other words, I'm looking at it from the front, and the gap is because we've got the nose and all this um, sort of requirement so that we can smell and and all that kind of thing. Okay, so there's the brain. And what I've done is, you can see that I've taken that stronghold, and I've wanted you to see that a stronghold forms in the mind. Okay? And then the enemy just feeds it. And then the moment that we are in a situation... We found that that stronghold is dictating to us. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.